This week on the Drew Goodman Podcast with Julie Brownman. Baseball, what's next? I remain confident that by the latter part of this month, Julie, we will hear something definitive for Major League Baseball, get an agreement with the Players Association. Something along those lines are going to take place. I think July 1st actually is the date that I've heard the most of. And... What was going through the mind of Matt Holliday as he was barreling towards home plate in game 163? My thought was, is, well, this is going to be one of those deals where he's going to catch it and I'm going to run him over and try to knock the ball loose. We'll see what happens. But that was really the, end, the reason I ended up on my face. And Julie, don't say it. I love the Rockies. But he didn't touch the plate. Uh, but, 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 but. This is the Drew Goodman Podcast with Julie Browman. How's everybody doing? Welcome to the Drew Goodman Podcast with Julie Brownman. I'm Drew, and the beautiful female voice is... Julie Brownman. How you doing, girl? I'm good. I'm really good. The weather's starting to get good. Want to get outside, right? And get some exercise. You know what? That is how I keep my sanity. I start my day. I run, and then, you know, I lift and at, at my old house. I've told you about that. And then, Julie, I have I have been... On my road bike or my mountain bike, more in the last six weeks than I have in you know years, and, and it's pretty cool being able to to ride every day. It's fun, and, and I know you have a mountain bike. And wait a second, what is that bike? Right when I walk in the house, is that a road bike or a mountain bike? It's a road bike. So that's right, it's a road bike. I have four bikes. I have a road bike, a mountain bike, just kind of thing I cruise around in, and then I've got my dad's bike that. He rode Ride the Rockies on that's 30 years old, and I don't have the heart to get rid of it. Do you have anything like that? Like, I just, it's just uh, sitting there. I'm never going to ride it. Well, you know, I just moved, yeah. and I've told you this. I'm, I, I wouldn't say I'm a pack rat, but I'm very, I'm a sentimentalist. So when I'm going through a box, instead of going, you haven't looked at this or you haven't worn this in decades, throw it the bleep out. I don't do that. I go, I reminisce. I look, I go, oh, I can't throw this out. It takes me forever. And I don't purge nearly as much as I should. So, yes, with your dad's 30-year-old bike that he rode Ride the Rockies in, I would not be able to toss that or give it to Goodwill. Yeah, no way. No way. Want to let everybody know we have a really good show coming up. You had a long conversation with Matt Holiday, which is always good to catch up with Matt, one of my favorites covering the Colorado Rockies. We're going to do um, a little bit of Rockies. So I want to start off with something kind of fun, Drew. Um, I saw this on MLB.com, and I think it's Thomas Harding that added, you know, he does the Rockies for everybody. There's a writer for MLB.com, and he's the writer here in Colorado in Denver. The article was one guy you forgot was ever on your team. So what's one guy that you forgot was ever on the Colorado Rockies? And I want to see if it matches up with Thomas Harding's. Well, the first guy I thought of, I'm thinking of a couple guys off the top of my head. And that's a great question because there's some notable guys that, you know, end up playing for the Rockies that had great careers, but, you know, we're, we're right at the end or something and, and we're briefly a Rocky and you go, oh, wait. And I think that was the premise. I know that was the premise of Thomas's piece. And so the first thought is, is Dale Murphy. Right. And that's who he said. So you kind of, you nailed it. Okay. And, and Dale, if you remember back, Julie was, you know, feel good story, great player, wonderful, you know, guy. And he was on 399 home runs and, and I think Jerry McMorris thought and Bob Gebhard that that it'd be a great, uh, you know, additional story for this expansion franchise to have, 
you know, this, this iconic type of player and he'd hit his 400th home run. It'd be pretty cool in a Rockies uniform. Uh, Dale was out of gas. Unfortunately, he never hit his 400th home run. But I have another name for you, Julie. What's that? Steve Finley. How many people remember that Steve Finley was a Rocky? I actually don't. When did he, what year did he play? He was with the Rockies in, I want to say it may have been the World Series year, and then he got let go. It was. Wow. It was 2007, and and he didn't have anything really left in the tank. And he's one of the, a handful of guys, Julie, I think I'm right in this. He played for every team in the NL West. Oh, my gosh. I remember yep. him, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember him. Wow. That's a stat. Yeah. So Steve Finley is one. And you have you have guys that, you know, I, I bet you people around baseball won't remember and the Rockies certainly want to forget that let a guy like Jose Reyes was a, a Rocky, yeah. you know, briefly a guy who had a really good career and then, you know, had the domestic in- incident and uh, the Rockies ate, you know, millions and millions of dollars to uh, to let him go. Um, but there's always there's always a handful of guys that were big, big names that ended up playing just, uh, you know, for 10 minutes somewhere else later in their career. That was a good Dale Murphy's a good name. I think Finley's a pretty good name. Finley's a good. I've got a guy that that would like to forget who's a Colorado Rockies. Who do you got? Denny Nagel. Uh, Denny Nagel, who signed the fifty five million dollar deal. Yeah. And part of part of uh, West Koufax has been renamed in his honor. You know, it never gets old. Hey, did you see that uh, we're going to do this as our Boyer's What's Hot? We'll talk about Boyer's Coffee in just one second. But ESPN did a coronavirus lockdown fan study. Would you like to hear the results? Which I think is very interesting. Because well, I want to hear the questions first. What are the questions? The question is basically like, do you, are you, um, are you, a, do you approve of sports coming back soon? And without, without fans in the stands? Basically, it's, or do you approve of if sports comes back soon, it'll be without fans in the stands? I, I think people, if they're realistic about this, understand fans won't be uh, at the parks and at NASCAR events and all these events initially. But we are all starved for live sports. And I would hope the vast, vast majority would say that's OK. 65% were in favor of sports returning, even if fans can't be in the stands. However, that approval number went to 76% when asked if they would support the return of sports without fans in the stands if the players were kept in hotels and their conf- their contact with others was closely monitored. So almost 10% more said, actually 11% more said, yeah, you don't have to have fans in the stands if this is controlled. Does that make sense? It's going to be controlled because – the players, the biggest hurdle I see, Julie, is they have to have, and we, we need greater testing in the country, period, but Major League Baseball, without it infringing on the general public, is going to have to come up with a an ability to administer tests frequently, and those players and, and personnel will probably be the safest people to be around because they'll have uh, been through numerous tests and regular tests, so I wouldn't fear if you run into the supermarket uh, that Nolan Arenado's next to you because he's probably been tested eight times in the last three weeks. Yeah, that makes a good point. Hey, speaking of a Colorado Rock, so John Gray weighed in a little bit, I guess, on the subject. It was good to hear from John. 
there's a nice article in the Denver Post. He talked about, you know, he's really dying to, to get back and he really wants to play. And he said, I know there's a lot of things going on. So it's secondary, but I'm really, I can't wait to get back to baseball. But he said from a player point of view that he's seen a lot of these proposals and he doesn't feel like he's seen anything realistic, but maybe he said, maybe that's just because I can't really envision it because it's going to be so different. So that was interesting to hear from a member of the Rockies currently. Yeah, and, I, and, I, and I think, I think there was a lot of candor there in that he speaks for, for I, I would think there's virtual unanimity among the players in that they all want to play. They're baseball players. They want to get paid, but they love to play. Right. And they want to play. I've talked to a, a bunch of, of folks and, and, and some obviously on our pa- on our podcast, Julie, they all want to play. And I think what John's saying is absolutely he wants to play, but there are so many ideas that have been floated out there that, you know, somewhat you can you can pick apart anything. They're going to arrive at something that they think will work. And I remain confident that by the latter part of this month, Julie, we will hear something definitive from Major League Baseball. Here's our plan. They'll go to the you know MLBA, uh, MLBPA, get an agreement with the Players Association. And you'll hear that, you know, camps are opening in, in mid-June and they're going to be at the home ballparks. And here's how they're going to proceed beginning on, you know, July 1 or something along those lines. I, I'm really confident that something along those lines are going to take place. I think July 1st actually is the date that I've heard the most of. I would say this, though, not to be a Debbie Downer, but it's really just going to depend. If you're talking by the end of the month, this is uh, happy Cinco de Mayo, by the way, um, May 5th. It's just going to depend on the next three weeks what happens out of Major League Baseball's control. Do you know what I'm saying? Like if it if it's not going well, then it doesn't really matter that their plan is. I think everybody's assuming it's going to go decently. This gets to be a really, you know, sticky sticky issue. Um, it, it 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 absolutely does. And we have to. I, I'm in agreement. We have to. We have to slowly and judiciously open this economy back up, um, because you don't want um, when you talk about you know mental health issues and people who are in such financial straits hurt to the point where they can't recover. Right. And there there are a lot of folks probably that that are at that point. It's it's sad and. This is a you know an unprecedented thing. I understand that, but we we slowly and and smartly have to move in the direction of getting back to where we were. Now it may be a couple of years before you know you you go into a packed restaurant or you, or maybe you see you know a hundred thousand people in a college football uh, stadium. I hope it's not a couple of years. I hope it's much shorter than that, and we get a vaccine. But I do think we we need to start taking small, judicious, incremental steps to getting back, um, especially in the areas where um, the parts of the country where they've handled things and it seems to be um, less of an issue than than in certain other areas. Hey, before we get to the interview with Matt Holliday on a on a baseball and playing point of view, it was nice to see John Gray. I always root for John Gray. Um, I've always talked about him. I just, I, I'm really a big fan of him 
as a person. His last regular season start was pretty good. I know it was way back on August 16th. He pitched a shutout. Um, he had, I think, seven strikeouts, walked one. I mean, it was a really nice way for John Gray to end the season. And I feel like he, it sounds like he feels as confident as he's felt in a really long time. I'm a big fan of John's. I think he is uh, such an honest guy. I, I I think he's such a likable guy. He's an extremely talented guy. I, I was really proud of the strides he made, to your point, last year, Julian. He finished strong in that a lot of people thought mentally he wasn't tough enough uh, to pitch at an elite level as a big leaguer. And he took that, I think, to heart. It gave him fuel. And I think we saw a different John Gray last year. And I think when we get back, we'll see him build upon that, and especially, you know, next year when hopefully, you know, you're playing a full 162 games and it is a more of a normal buildup to the season. But I'm with you. I'm, I'm a huge John Gray fan. Hey, Julie, before we uh, talk about some other things and get to the Matt Holiday interview, I have another name for you of you probably forgot they were a Rocky. Who was that? Roy Oswald. Oh, 100% I forgot. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, at the end of his career, Roy Oswald had, you know, a marvelous uh, career with Houston, uh, primarily Philadelphia a little bit. 2013, he was with the Rockies. And I remember he actually had a couple of good ball games with the Rockies. Wow. Isn't that amazing? Some, you know, big names, these big names that we talked about, you just – it's because they're not right. They're not homegrown and it's just a, a short time, but I feel like every, every team has one of these guys and, and, you know, we named three of them. All right. We are going to hear from Matt holiday in just a second, but first we want to tell you about Boyer's coffee. Obviously they are our big sponsor and our coffee of choice. Their first batch of beans at a temporary roasting facility was produced last week. And that is great news. And they're going to, going to continue on those temporary roasting facilities all of their coffee beans from the brands those are in the stores right now you can find those in the stores in king supers and safeway and sam's club and walmart but if you're used to ordering boyer's coffee online boyerscoffee.com probably it'll wait till mid-may to fulfill those orders so we ask that you continue to support boyer's coffee that way and we'll keep you updated and they're still going strong and they are moving forward upward and onwards yeah, that's awesome. Boyers is uh, is going to be back better than ever and still going strong for now two decades. Our friends at Ideal Home Loans, 303-867-7000 is the number, and we are at historic lows when it comes to interest rates. But they, they're special. They're unique. They really take the time to get to know you, to get to know exactly what you desire, uh, potentially in a loan. They'll sit down and then they will put you in the absolute best product, and they're going to do it in an expeditious fashion. Brent Ivinson ha- is terrific at this uh, build at this uh, at building the business he did at Ideal Home Loans, and they have such a wonderful reputation because they take care of people. Their number again is 303-867-7000, 303-867-7000. Ideal Home Loans. They have an A plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. And they also provide us each week with our interview of the week. And it was great to catch up with an all-time Rockies favorite and an all-time great guy, Matt Holliday. You know, it's funny, Matt. I was looking as as I prepared to talk to you, and I've I've known you for a long time. and And I was just looking back at all the numbers, and I'm like, shoot. I mean, I know they were great, but one of the numbers that jumped out 
is 299. I think you hit over 300, something like seven times in your career. But for whatever reason, you, you finished at 299. Does, you, know, you have so many great numbers, over 2,000 hits, over 300 homers, and all these wonderful numbers. Does that one bother you at all? You know, it stings a little. You know, I'd be lying if I said it didn't sting a little. Um, I think at some point when I got off, you know, I was off to a pretty hot start and uh, there at the end with the Rockies in 18. Uh, at one point it was 300, and uh, I just <laughs> couldn't couldn't hold it. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, I, I, I know it's just a number, but, yeah, I mean, to play for 15 years, 14, you know, 14 and, and then a little bit, um, it would have been cool to end up at 300. But, you know, I tell Philly all the time, uh, at least I have more, you know, a season of 300, you know, with his uh, his 199 season. He likes to remind me that I've finished at 299, and I remind him that he had one chance at it, and he was at 299. That's right, and and have and Atkins and Garrett lost a home run in game one sixty three, which obviously we're going to talk a lot about one sixty three. That would have given him a hundred home runs ultimately in his career, right? Oh man, I didn't even know that. Yeah, yeah. He, that's tough. Yeah, he he finished at ninety nine. Hey, I jumped right in. How you doing? How's Leslie? Your family doing well? Everybody's good. Uh, you know, I think this deal has been challenging in some ways, but also great in others. You know, I think uh, when everybody is in full bore, uh, busy schedule with school and athletics and, and you know, coaching uh, college baseball now and, and that season, it's really, really busy and you don't get a ton of quality family time. And so uh, while this has been weird and, and, and Kind of boring at times and, and somewhat frustrating at times. It's been it's been really good to spend this kind of quality time with family and um, you know with the boys and, and our daughter Grayson and, and just um, we've we've just kind of hung out as a family playing board games and and uh, watching movies and, and playing wiffle ball and uh, fishing and and uh, you know thankfully we've got some land here in Oklahoma that we can kind of spread out on and fish and, and do some things so. Um, it's been it's been weird, but uh, it's also been uh, it's been pretty pretty fun as a, as a family to kind of reconnect. Yeah, and, and family. I, I I think people who know you, Rockies fans, realize family truly truly has always been really important to you. You know, going back to your to your immediate family growing up, and and now Leslie and and your three boys and your daughter because um, you decided to to move back home, move back to Stillwater. Um, from Florida, and uh, what what prompted that? You know, Drew, I just you know, at, 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 when you realize that your playing career is over, I think you, you, there's a period that where you're trying to figure out, you know, what's next with with what I'm going to do with my free time, and and you know, I, the kids are in school, and and uh, Leslie's doing her school, and and uh, so I you know just trying to figure out what I was going to do, and and. Sitting around waiting for the kids to get out of school wasn't all, all that fulfilling. Um, so I, you know, just kind of thinking about kind of what's next and, and what opportunities I might have and, and what I'm good at. And really, you know, the only thing I come up with is baseball. And so um, just looking for an opportunity. I don't have many hobbies. Uh, I like to fish some, but I uh, don't play golf. And so I'm uh, talking to my brother and talking about potentially getting into some college coaching and, and knowing that the schedule is not what it is at the pro level and, and there's there's not nearly as much travel, especially being the volunteer. Uh, I'm not allowed to recruit off campus. So um, it's 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 a good fit for me to come back to Oklahoma State and, and kind of come back to where I'm from uh, and, and, 
and coach and, and help those kids. But at the same time, um, I get a chance to spend a lot of time with my boys and, and their baseball and, and see Grayson's cheerleading stuff and a lot of the, the activities that she's doing. Uh, so it was a good fit for me at this time in my life where uh, I want to be around my family, but I also need uh, – I feel like that, that I, you know, I need to work. I need to do something that's bigger than myself. And um, so it's been it's been a nice fit that, that I get the chance to, to coach college, and, and obviously we got cut short this year. Um, but 18- to 22-year-olds are a very impressionable time of their life. And, and, uh, it's, been, it's been fun to, to get to interact with them and try to help them reach their goals. That's awesome, Matt. I'm just curious, how rigorous was the interview process uh, to get that that volunteer gig at uh, at Oklahoma State? Uh, well, it basically went like this: Hey, do you want to do this or not? And I said, you know what, let's do it. So uh, it was uh, it was pretty easy. He'd seen my uh, resume lived out in front of him, so he uh, nobody nobody knew me better. So he it was uh, I, I hope it was an easy hire for him. Now, you, your dad's helping as well. Is that accurate? So my dad is here. He's uh, He does some of the TV broadcasts, some of the color commentary on the TV broadcast uh, for the home games. And then he's actually coaching a team in the Cape Cod, uh, the Chatham A's, uh, which unfortunately their season was was, uh, was nullified. Um, but he has done that for the last three years. And then he does some scouting for the Phillies locally here. So He's busy doing a bunch of different stuff. Uh, we see him every day, and, and uh, he likes to come over and watch my boys practice and, and help with their team. So he's uh, he's doing well and, and enjoying his time. Yeah, I want to take you back when you were growing up in, in Stillwater. You had you know a storybook um, athletic career, not only in, in football, which I think people know, and, and obviously baseball, but you were a heck of a basketball player as well. But between football and baseball, because I think when you came out, you were one of the top two or three high school quarterbacks in the country, and you were you know, a high school All-American in, in both sports. Which sport did you think you had a better chance at making a living at? You know, I had a lot of people, you know, the football, especially at that time, the recruiting and, and the kind of the pomp and circumstance of football recruiting and, and who all is involved and, and how... Uh, I guess just how big it is. Um, there's just a lot of more, you know, football coverage, especially then with, with the, uh, the recruiting and, and, and all that stuff. And so, um, I had a lot of people tell me that, you know, I really had a higher ceiling in football and that that was, um, you know, I was ranked higher nationally as a football player and, uh, and a lot of those things. But, you know, I think, Drew, at the, at, the, at the heart of things, I've always seen myself growing up to be a, a pro baseball player, and that was my dream ever since I was a little kid. Growing up here in Oklahoma and running around LIP Rental Stadium, and um, I, you know, in school when they say, "What do you want to be when you grow up?" I always said a baseball player. Um, I just always felt like that that was um, maybe my first love of, of sports, of, of really any hobby. Of, of if you gave me a chance to do anything. Well, what I want to do as a kid, I want to play wiffle ball or, you know, whatever kind of ball game we could come up with. And, um, I just think that that was, that was something that was in my heart. So to, to be honest with you, I, I don't know. Um, I always, I hate, hate to, to say, well, I could have made it in football. I'll never, you know, try to make it seem like it was, it was, it's easy because I know how difficult pro sports are and how it is to play at the highest level. So who knows what would happen if I'd have chose football, but I did have a lot of people tell me that, that that was, that was probably, uh, you know, my my better sport, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, I, I've 
I've seen you throw a football and, and I've, you know, kidded you because obviously you're, a, you know, you're a phenomenal baseball player, but as good as your arm was in baseball, I felt like you threw a football um, with, with, I don't know, greater velocity or, or you had a better arm overall in football. Would you agree with that? You know, so it's such a different throwing motion. And I think that, you know, if you talk to a lot of guys that played both sports and, and a lot of quarterbacks over the years that have played, you know, minor league and even, you know, some pro major league baseball, they would tell you that, that it, you know, it doesn't necessarily, it's not necessarily the same thing. You know, the football is more of a wrist snap to me and, 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 you know, a baseball is a little bit of a longer gait. Um, I would tell you, yeah, I, I had, I had probably, you know, high school level elite arm strength as a quarterback. Um, you know, I, again, I hate to ever put myself in any, any other category than what I played. Um, and yeah, you know, as a baseball player, my arm after Tommy John surgery in 2001 was, was never quite what it was before. Um, but it, you know, it was serviceable, I would say. But yeah, as a football quarterback, that was definitely my, my strength was, was, was arm strength. Hey, if you didn't sign, Matt, I don't know if I've ever asked you this. If you didn't sign, um, was it, I know you were going to go to Oklahoma State. Uh, and play for your, for your dad, but was there any consideration to going somewhere else and not kind of having the pressure of being the the hometown kid and playing for your for your pop? You know, Drew, if it was if it was just a football decision, you know, it might have been a different story. I, I always liked Florida State growing up as a kid. As you probably remember about the time I was kind of coming through high school is when they were really dominant and they were kind of the the school uh, you know that you saw on Saturdays. And I always liked the idea of potentially going to college in Florida and, and playing for Florida State. And actually took my visit there and, and really, really liked it. Mark Ricks was the offensive coordinator at the time and kind of hit it off with him. And it was a tough decision, honestly. I, I thought I saw myself as a quarterback for Florida State and could see myself doing that. But at the end of the day, um, you know, with my brother being here as a player and my dad as a coach and Coach Miles, uh, Les Miles was, was here as the offensive coordinator at the time. And, uh, I just it was it was it was kind of a situation where I just I just couldn't do it. Couldn't pull the trigger. It was uh it was it was too appealing for me to potentially play uh for Oklahoma State where I grew up and, and for my dad and, and with my brother if that's how it ended up. Hey, real quick, was was Florida State gonna allow you to play both also? They said they were. You know, as you get down the line, yeah. you know, you start to hear how Bobby Bowden would probably not have loved having his starting quarterback in spring, in the spring, not at spring football and over at baseball. But I think they would have. I mean, I, I think if you're good enough, they'll let you do anything, right? I mean, so it's probably right. depending on how good a quarterback I was or what kind of how fast they thought I could I could start a quarterback there. I mean, you know, you're willing to you know kind of bend your your old policies if if uh, if, it, if it's for the right player and, and the you know, how, how it depends on how good I would have been, I assume. But yeah, they would they were they were willing to they recruited me under the guidelines that I'd be playing those sports. Right. I'll tell I'll tell you what, uh, talent makes uh coaches look really good. So yes. R- r- rules get rules get bent all the time. Hey, game one sixty three played on MLB network. You may or may not be aware uh a few days ago. And I know you've seen it before, and and I'm going to spare you the question that gets asked all the time: Did Matt touch home plate? Yes, he did, because Tim McClellan said he did, and you guys moved on and ultimately to the World Series. A question I've asked you before, but for these purposes, I'll ask you again: When you're barreling down 
the third baseline and, and you're close to 6'4 and about 240 pounds and you run well. And Michael Barrett's a big dude too. Did you, was there any thought, because you could hit the catcher back then, was there any thought to just, I'm going to run him over? That was the, that was really the end, the reason I ended up on my face. Uh, and, and, you know, ideally, and looking back, uh, a good foot, foot first slide or I kind of kicked through his foot would have been probably the ideal slide in the situation, um, you know, in, in hindsight. But I think my, as I'm running down the line and I know that, that he's very shallow in right field and that there's going to be a play. And as I look up as I'm running and he's kind of standing in, in the, in the third base line, uh, that was my, my thought was, is, well, this is going to be one of those deals where he's going to catch it and I'm going to run him over and try to knock the ball loose and we'll see what happens. But by the time, you know, kind of two more steps, you look up and he's out in front of home plate and I can see home plate. Um, then it becomes too late to kind of flip reverse course and, and, you know, get my feet back going forward. And so it kind of just turned into, you know, what you saw, which was kind of a crash landing. Um, but yeah, to, to, to answer the question is I thought that that was going to be the, the situation where we were going to have a collision and, and hopefully the ball ends up rolling, rolling away. So, um, I, I did. Like I said, in hindsight, do I wish I had a slid feet first and just kind of kicked through his foot? Yeah, that would have been better. Yeah. You, you know what? It, one of the things that always cracks me up about that once we learned you were okay is that obviously everybody goes running out to, you know, probably dogpile on you with the winning run. And it's like, well, he's kind of groggy. He's bo- he's boring. We'll go and go find Jamie Carroll. And everybody left you other than Keith Duggar. Yeah, that's basically what happened. You know, I think everybody was like, "Oh, oh, oh he's you know, he's no fun. Let's go find somebody else." And and uh, <laughs> as you can see on the replay, uh, you know, Doogie still gets on me about ruining his first uh, postseason celebration. So he uh, he says I ruined that that moment for him. But um, you know, once I came to you, we were able to kind of catch up on on the moments. Jacob reminded me today when I when I was I was lifting with him and and I was telling him that I was going to talk to you later, and he said. He said, Dad, ask Matt if he thought he hit the ball out, which I never think – I don't know if I've ever asked you that because that would have been a game-winning home run, your triple. Yeah. Off the bat, did you think, hey, it's gone? I thought – I was hopeful. It was one of those ones where I, I caught it off the end, just a hair, um, and and caught it good, but not not like uh, – you know, you could hit balls in course field. I, you know, I hit a few that, that were no doubters to the opposite field where um, – and and that was one of those ones where I, I hit it, and I saw it. And you you look at the fence, you look at the ball, you look at the fence, and you're trying to gauge whether it's going to go over the fence. And you're kind of thinking, "Come on, ball! Come on, ball!" And and I thought I had a chance, but uh, you know, I wasn't I wasn't 100 percent. You know, I wasn't even 80 percent. I, I thought it was a 50-50 ball. You know, kind of off the bat. And uh, you know, ultimately, it would have saved me a lot of emails and and text messages and and. Uh, and all the, the stuff that I get from Padres people, uh, if that ball would have just gone over the fence. Yeah. Hey, honestly, you always want to say, hey, we got a chance. We got. But as an athlete, there are times you're like, okay, th- this is pretty grim. When Hairston hits the home run, and, and this is one of the great baseball games that, that I think, certainly that I've ever seen, but I think it's one of the top 15, 20, 20 whatever, in the history of, uh, of the sport. It, it was that good ultimately. 
But when Harrison hits that home run, and you know you're going to face Hoffman, and yes, you do have a good part of the lineup coming up, what, was there at any moment inside where you go, you know what, what a great run, but we're going to fall a little bit short inside? Not that you're not going to give it your best when you get in the box, but was was there was there any deflation to you when you came off the field? You know, I think initially there is that punch in the gut, you know, or you're like, Oh man. And even if it's a solo home run or, you know, uh, an RBI single or it's just one run and then all of a sudden all you need is one base runner and, and you can, you, you know, you start to envision yourself tying it. Um, but when the ball goes over the fence, I think, I definitely think it was, it was that, that kind of, Oh no, you know, that, that feeling. Um, but you know, I, I that the kind of the, the story of that team or the vibe of that team was is you move past it quick. And as you're running towards the dugout, uh, you could almost feel this, this energy of, you know, it's not over. We can do this. And then, you know, I think Kaz rolls out and maybe even hits the first pitch. I, I don't remember exactly, but it was like bang, bang, bang. You know, it happened so fast and all of a sudden it's like, I mean, it, it really did. I, I'm, I don't, do you know how many pitches it was? It wasn't many before I ended up on third base. I mean, I, I know it was pretty quick, but, um, that's a good yeah, it, it 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 did happen really fast, and I think for fans and and I'm standing there in the camera well, think you know bummed out, but you know going to go do my job, and that's how I recollect it, Matt. Is that next thing you know, you're standing on third base, and it seemed like Jamie hit the first pitch to Giles. Yeah, he did. Yeah, and, and Giles caught it flat footed, and I'm like, there's no way. And next thing you know, he makes like the perfect throw because he really yeah. couldn't get behind it. But it did unfold in real time. Like it took like a nanosecond. Next thing you know, you guys are celebrating. It's wild. Yeah, it was that was the kind of the crazy part is, is just how fast it happened. And like you said, when he hit the ball, and, and I see Giles kind of you know the the catches. I was gonna, I don't know. I need to I need to ask Gags. I don't even know if he said anything at third base. If he told me to go or told me to stay, I, I don't remember. Uh, I remember kind of being on my, you know, just if he if he catches it, leaning back, I'm going. If he has his momentum coming towards home, I should probably stay. Um, but I remember it just happening so fast. And like you said, like, I uh, just, it felt like Kaz, boom, Tulo, boom, me, first pitch. And then Jamie, first pitch. And then, or I guess they walked Todd in there, and you know, back in the day when you had to throw the ball. So that, that was a, a, a little bit of a lull, but it happened so fast. Yeah, it was it was amazing. What in the in the two week plus lead up to that game one sixty three, you know, I, I think everybody you know always talks about you know Todd's home run. I have pointed this out many times. Takashi Saito had not given up a hit. Now it's late September. He had not given up a hit against the Rockies in twenty in in two thousand and seven until you smoke the ball through the right side, and then ultimately Todd hits the, the walk-off two-run home run. At the time, did you realize before your hit you guys were over against him? I think so. I think we had even had that conversation at some point that surely we can get a hit off this guy. Um, yeah, I, I, I remember thinking that, that if we were in trouble. Usually when that guy came in the game, we weren't doing much. So, um he was really, you know, I think people forget how good he was there for a, a couple of years with his slider and sinker combination. Uh, I think he may have had a split too, but, uh, yeah, I remember that pitch. It was kind of a sinker running down and in, and I, I got inside of it nice and hit a line drive. And, and again, you know, next thing you know, Todd, it's a, it's a home run and it's over and it's quick. And yeah, yeah I mean, he was, he was very difficult for us that year. 
Was that the the biggest moment in the run for you, or, or was there another one prior to obviously Game One Sixty Three? You know, I, it's, it's definitely I think the symbol of it. Obviously, when you win thirteen out of fourteen, uh, there's going to be uh, all kinds of, of huge plays that happen. But you know, I think the emotion and Todd sort of letting his hair down, so to speak, uh, and kind of the and what you know, most people never really saw him change change his you know facial expression or, or have much emotion, good or bad. Um, I think that that definitely is the symbol of that team that season. Um, that that uh, that you remember kind of going into that last game. But um, you know, I've told people before that was about a team effort uh, of of a September as, as you could possibly have. I don't. You may know the numbers, but I felt like we had all 40, 40 guys on the 40-man roster up in September, and, you know, we had all kinds of pitchers, and we were going left, right, left, right, left, right, in the bullpen. And, uh, it took, you know, a lot of guys coming up in big moments to, to, to pull off a run like that. Yeah, yeah the, the, the one that I always remember, um, because everything kind of bleeds together for me that's uh, mid, yeah. middle age, but um, is Hop's home run when the Marine layers – in full effect in San Diego. It's left on left against Joe Thatcher. It's the middle of the night. It's like the 14th yeah. inning. And and that ball sounded like, you know, a, a M80 going off. Yeah, I remember that. That, that one, that's a good one, too. I, I don't know that any, many people saw that one, probably, you know, just because how <laughs> you know, late, so late it was. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I remember that one. That was a, that was a huge home run. And, and you know, in a place that – we typically didn't play very well, and I don't I don't know that they still play very well in San Diego. That's a hard place to win. So, yeah, that was a huge home run. Hey, I want to take you back just a couple of years ago. One, one of my favorite periods, and I'm, you know, so fortunate and, and privileged to, to do what I do and, and to see so many, you know, games and great players and great people like yourself. But when you came back, Matt, in, in 2018, it was almost, and I probably said this on the air, and I may have remarked uh, to you at the time, you almost came back as a player coach, um, and it was it, it, there was such a good vibe. Uh, I think with with your teammates, who obviously have such great respect for you, the organization, and just the fans to to welcome you back. As many great moments as you had in the game, and so many postseason appearances, and a world championship with the Cardinals in 2011. Where was that? Those final couple of months of your career kind of coming back to where it all began. Have you ever been able to kind of put it into to words and thoughts? You know, I, I think it was probably, if you could draw it up, you know, I think the, the symbol of kind of going to the minor leagues was nothing promised, um, was nothing promised to me, you know, having not played in a while. And really, honestly, I, I, I thought I could, you know, I, I, I was pretty sure I could still hit and play and, um, but for that to kind of come full circle where I went back to the minor leagues and, and, uh, you know, took my family with me and, and had my boys with me and kind of grinding, you know, just kind of trying to, you know, you're, you got to get hits if you want to get back to the major leagues. And it wasn't like I was on a rehab assignment where, you know, I was going to be back in the big leagues, you know, no matter what. So, uh, it was a good fit for me. Uh, I felt like when I got called up that it was, it was, it was earned and it was like, it was kind of a, gratifying feeling at the end of my career, you know, that uh, earned my way back up. I was hitting really well in AAA and to be able to come up and, and to make a contribution and, 
and play in the city where I came up. And, you know, the, even going back to Coors Field for the first game when I got called back up, it took me back, um, you know, to 2004 uh, when I got called up for the first time and went to Coors Field and kind of that drive uh, with my wife as you pull into the Coors Field was really a kind of a cool, come full circle moment. And then, you know, the way that the crowd treated me and, and then my time, you know, in that last uh, two months of, of getting a chance to be around a lot of guys that, that I knew uh, a little bit, but I got a chance to be teammates with and spend time with and get to know really well and hopefully pass along some things that I, I was taught and, and, and try to help further their game. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a real, that was a real blessing for me. I feel like that was a good way to kind of tie up, um, the end of my career and, and, uh, kind of come full circle with the organization that I spent my first 10 years of pro baseball with. And, and a lot of, you know, the Brian Joneses and the Keith Duggars and, and the Paul Eaganses and, and a lot of the guys, Scotty Garrett, and a lot of the guys that were still there when I was there were still there. And, uh, it was, it was, uh, you know, I'm, I'm leaving people out, you know, I'm leaving people out that I got a chance to see again and be around. And, um, it was, it was pretty awesome to be honest with you. That, that's about a storybook of a kind of, obviously if we'd have won the world series, I would have been even way better, but, um, to get a chance to finish in Colorado and, and, uh, play with Nolan and play with Cargo and, and some of the guys that, that I really respected as, as Rockies, uh, it was, and, and young guys like Trevor Story and, and, uh, you know, Tom Murphy was somebody that I got to know in AAA and we hung out a lot and talked hitting and talked baseball all the time. And, uh, it was, it was very enjoyable and, and something that, 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 you know, that I'm grateful for Mr. Montford and, and Jeff, uh, allowing me to have that opportunity. Yeah. I, I also remember the home run you hit. I don't know if it was your first game, Matt, or you said you, you, you probably will recall. But that had to be one. You went, you got to run around the bases, jog around the bases, 316 times in your big league career, which is a bunch. Um, that one, I think, was probably one you recall a little bit. Oh yeah, you, you know, to, to do it against the Cardinals in a big spot, kind of a pinch hit. Uh, I think we were either it was tied or we were, yeah, you know, I think it was one nothing or you know zero zero or I don't remember what the score was, but in a big spot to hit a home run with you know a lot of Cardinal fans there, as, they, as you know they. They travel really well, but pretty much a full house and, and to have kind of both sides uh, cheering for you was was very memorable. I remember basically floating around the bases and, and uh, having friends on both sides and, and coaches and uh, pretty neat moment for me. Um, one of one of the you know one of the the moments that stands out in, in my career and in my life and, and uh, you know grateful for both organizations um, in, in, in so many ways. Yeah, and and that's one thing I also remember that it's kind of like a holy smokes moment uh, from a broadcast standpoint. But looking out there at the huge crowd and seeing is everybody in purple standing and and everybody in red standing also and applauding you because the moment for you and the respect that that both sides had for you, um, even though it hurt Cardinal fans. Uh, it, it shows you the kind of impact that you made. So congratulations on the on that, Matt, and congratulations on a wonderful career. I know it's been a year plus, and I'm glad that you uh, weaseled your way into a coaching position with uh, with Team Holiday. Um, stay well. Good luck. I, I used to ask you if, like, Jackson and Ethan had passed me in height, but that's no longer really a smart question since that happened a long time ago, right? 
Well, I think I'm next. You know, I think that they're going to they could potentially both pass me at some point. So, uh, yeah, they're uh, uh, Jackson's about six one, and Ethan's not too far behind. So they're uh, they're growing fast, and and uh, you know Jackson's sixteen now, and and uh, he's going to be playing college baseball pretty soon, or shoot, maybe pro baseball. But it's uh, it's amazing how fast it goes. Yeah, you think the uh, you think the head coach will recruit him? We already committed him, so I've already threatened him, uh, and he's he's agreed to play baseball at Oklahoma State. So he's, oh, there you go. It's already done. How about how about Ethan? Is yeah. that a done deal also? I would say I would say he's also uh, if he's going to live under my house, he's gonna he's gonna no. I I I want them to make the decision, but uh, they they uh, they love their uncle Josh, and, and uh, there's a dang nice stadium that just finished up they're going to chance to play in so hopefully they'll both end up here there you go well matt i appreciate the time man it's good it's good to catch up uh, my best to your family and uh we'll talk soon and hopefully we're watching major league baseball again soon yeah hopefully i, I miss man i miss i miss watching baseball and, and hearing you guys and and uh you know i uh, i can only do so many interviews with silly and, and not have any new material to talk about so he gets old in a hurry. How about having to hang out with him as many times as I do? I feel for you. You know, I feel for you. He texted me yesterday. I guess he's running now. So he's he's fallen into your footsteps. You've got him running seven miles now, and and uh, he's uh, he's a big runner now. So well, uh, anything can happen. He he had to because he was becoming a skinny fat guy. Yeah, getting a little dumpy. So now he's he's uh, he's running. So well, good for him. Yeah, no, absolutely, and it's one of my favorite uh, vocations, and that is beating up Spilly when he can't respond. That's right. It's easy to do. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Matt, take care, man. I'll, I'll, I'll talk to you soon. Okay, Drew, thanks for having me. That interview, of course, brought to you by Ideal Home Loans, as they bring us the interview every week on the podcast. So I'm going to say this. I know you're still going to be my friend, and I hope our listeners will still listen. He didn't touch the plate, and I love Matt Holiday. And I love the Rockies, but he didn't touch the plate. I want to know something, though. Where were you living in 2007? I still, I was living in Denver, but as oh, you know, I covered oh. the Padres until 2004. Oh, uh, okay. I was wondering if, oh, yeah, you were kind of on the Padre bandwagon. First of all, he, this is how I know he touched the plate. I said this to Matt. Tim McClellan said he touched the plate. Did Michael Barrett drop the baseball, too, didn't he? Yeah. Well, then he's safe. Yeah, I just, I just like, I can't, I keep watching it and I'm like, he didn't touch the plate, which is fine. Listen, Rockies fans and Drew, which I know are, you know, you're all the same and I'm a Rockies fan too. So glad the Rockies won. I'm just saying. You can still, you can still be a great Rockies fan and still go, mm, I don't think he touched the plate. No, it's over. My card? It's over. It's over. You know what one of my favorite times was, and, and we talked about this, when when Holiday came back and was a Rocky the final couple months and he had the the home run that was discussed um, against St. Louis and, and all the Cardinal fans in attendance at Coors Field um, stood and cheered and gave him a standing ovation that was that was a goosebump moment mm-hmm. and Matt Matt was like the Pied Piper everybody you know all the players kind of saddled up next to him and. Uh, you know, Buddy had a great time, mm-hmm. you know, having Matt in the fold and the Rockies go to the postseason. I, I think it was such a beautiful way to end, uh, kind of bookend what was, you know, a phenomenal career. You and I were talking earlier, Julie, and, you know, we talked, did he touch home plate and, and et cetera. 
But there's so much more to Matt Holiday than just that play, which a lot of people, that's just what they associate with him. But I agree with you. He was impactful, a wonderful influence, one of the most popular Rockies to ever play. Yeah. Listen, in his career, he went to the postseason, I want to say, seven times. He was a world champion in 2011 with the Cardinals. He hit 316 home runs. He had more than 2,000 hits. I think he won three or four silver sluggers. He was a seven-time All-Star. He is – he's a – I don't think he's a Hall of Famer, but he is in the class, you know, like the the honorable mentions that don't get in. He's in that group. Would you say he's top 10? It's a, it's a long list of popular players here. Is he in the top 10? Absolutely. Yeah. Blake Street Bombers, they're in there, right? They're in there. Then you've got some of the current players. Yeah, I mean, you know, they're the the familiar names. The, the you know, the Helton Walker, obviously part of the um, Blake Street Bombers. Tulowitzki, the great run he had. Now you got to include oh, yeah. and, and and Trevor. Uh, but yeah, Matt Holiday, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I think so too. So he's also he also is he is one of the all time good guys, and you know, as we discussed in the interview, phenomenal athlete. He was a great basketball player, too. You know, we talked about football and baseball. He was a high school All-American, could have gone anywhere to play football and obviously anywhere to play baseball. But he was a, he was a tremendous basketball player. Tell you a quick story, Julie. We, we did a feature one spring training on Matt's athleticism. And it was, it, it was down in Tucson. And we so Matt and I, they're filming it. Matt and I are throwing the football. And then we're inside shooting, uh, shooting hoops. And Matt goes to uh, the wing, takes one power dribble, drives, and does a 360 and dunks. Now, remember, he was 240, 245 pounds, yeah. you know, with, with the, you know, the biggest arms in baseball. In fact, at one point, he was, they measure like hand strength. He was, he had the strongest hand strength in all of baseball. This guy was a, this guy was a monster. He looked like an NFL tight end. Goes up and does a 360 dunk. Wow, I didn't see that coming. He doesn't look like a dunker, but obviously he's incredibly uh, athletic. Well, that was a good interview with him, and that was really – it's always great to hear from Matt Holiday, no matter what's going on. So I love asking you this question before the end of the podcast. What are you doing tomorrow? <laughs> it's like what, – what's the, what's the line? Gra- uh, Grandhog Day? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, what am I doing tomorrow? I'm doing the same shit. I'm waking up. I'm – Looking for good news. Don't want to read too much because it never seems to be good news. Go out, run, bye. bye. Find a way to smile and say we're going to get through this. Yes, we are. Absolutely. Julie, enjoyed it. Big thanks to uh, to Matthew Holiday, And we will do it again next week. And we appreciate all of you for uh, listening. Stay safe. Stay well. Keep your spirits up. And we'll talk to you again in a few days. 